This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. You matter, you do, and you're awesome. Don't fight us on this one, ask your friends. Visit betterhelp.com super and take care of number one. Hey brother, oh man you guys, let's talk about Neville Longbottom, the other not so chosen one of Harry Potter. Neville is sort of the story's punching bag for the first couple of books, just the bumbling forgetful kid who keeps losing his toad. <laughs> And while Neville has several real-world enemies and bullies who are constantly putting him down, like Malfoy or Snape, it could also be argued that Neville is just fighting his own battle internally, like his confidence and self-esteem are always so low that it prevents him from almost ever standing up for himself or seizing his true potential. Why is it always me? Even when he's being sorted, he actually causes a hat stall because he keeps insisting to the hat that he is not brave enough to be in Gryffindor and that he should instead be in Hufflepuff. The hat, however, obviously disagrees and recognizes his true power, which we eventually learn is vast. After Bellatrix breaks out of Azkaban, Neville redoubles his efforts at the DA and really begins improving past almost everyone else and like really starts to flourish. He improves more than anyone and after Harry leaves Hogwarts, Neville pretty much takes over as the leader of the DA. And then when everyone thinks Harry is dead, it is he, Neville, who re-rallies the army of Hogwarts to fight again against Voldemort rising not just past his other students at that point, but the professors and the members of the Order of the Phoenix to be like the Grand General of the Army. We also know that if not for a twist of fate, it might have been Neville who ended up being the Chosen One instead of Harry. Maybe he'd be the one out there casting Expelliarmus and Expecto Patronum all over the place. But here's the question. If he was, what would his Patronus look like. Because despite Neville's extreme rise through the ranks and obvious power, we never actually get to see what his corporeal Patronus looks like. Which is odd to me because it's like Harry's signature spell and Neville just so narrowly missed out on being the chosen one. But don't you worry guys, today we find out. Expecto Patronum! Guys, before we dive on in, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Candid. Guys, the older I get, the more I've come to understand the importance of specialists in different fields. When my car breaks down, I call a mechanic. When a pipe bursts, you call a plumber. If you need a fancy new vase or to cast a Patronus, you call a potter. This is why when it comes to straightening your teeth, DIY just will not do. You need a trained professional and that's where Candid comes in. Candid makes invisible, comfortable, removable aligners that get your teeth straight fast. And what sets them apart from other aligner companies is that they only work with orthodontists, trained professionals in straightening out your teeth. And with Candid, you work with the same orthodontist who created your plan from start to finish. And, and there is no need to ever enter a doctor's office. The entire treatment can be done remotely. But if you'd prefer to go in person, you can also book an appointment at a local Candid studio near you. The average Candid treatment takes just six months, but you'll start seeing results way before then. And it costs thousands less than traditional braces. Candid can help you get the straighter, brighter smile you've always wanted. And you can save $75 on your Candid starter kit when you get started from home today. Or you can book an appointment at a local Candid studio near you. Go to candidco.com SCB and use promo code SCB. That's candidco.com SCB promo code SCB to get $75 off your Candid starter kit today. Again, candidco.com SCB promo code SCB. Link is in the description down below. 
Okay, so how do we determine what Neville's Patronus might have been? I mean, right off the top of my head, a couple of animals do come to mind as pretty good candidates. And believe it or not, the Pottermore archives actually do offer us some pretty good information that might help us along in determining what this animal might be. According to Pottermore, no reliable system for predicting the form of an individual's Patronus has ever been found, although the great 18th century researcher of charms, Professor Catullus Spangle, set forth certain principles that are widely accepted as true. The Patronus, asserted Spengel, represents that which is hidden, unknown, but necessary within the personality. For it is evident that a human confronted with inhuman evil, such as a Dementor, must draw upon resources he or she may never have needed, and the Patronus is the awakened secret self that lies dormant until needed, but which must now be brought to light. <gasps> and while that does sound good, Professor Spangle, it also can be kind of hard to understand, like the awakened secret self like, <laughs> that could be anything. Fortunately, we have some existing examples to go off of to help us understand what he means. Harry is the most obvious. His secret self is represented by the stag, the very animal his father could transform into. It represents how very much like James Harry is and his constant desire to have that father figure in his life, a role that is filled by Hagrid and Sirius and even Dumbledore at times. Speaking of whom, though, Dumbledore represents an eccentric case when it comes to Patronuses, where his favorite animal Animal, the phoenix is also his Patronus. And according to Spangle, whenever this happens, it usually means the caster is pretty eccentric and that that person is very adept at having their secret self not be so secret. Honestly, it's kind of ironic when you consider the title of the next Fantastic Beast movie is actually Secrets of Dumbledore. But I guess at long last, we will finally get to the bottom of the biggest secret of all, which is how did he go from wearing the three-piece suits to these awesome robes? Moving on though, opposite Harry Stag is obviously Snape's doe, which represents his secret undying love for Lily. And this is also similar to how Tonks Patronus works. It takes the form of a wolf because she's in love with Remus. That said, I'm not sure this is gonna be a particularly helpful avenue in determining Neville's Patronus because we know that he eventually goes on to marry Hannah Abbott. And if you can tell me anything about Hannah Abbott other than that she's a Hufflepuff right now, I'll give you a high five. Yeah, I don't think so. She's a prefect. That's the fact you could have gone with. Better luck next time. So what is Neville's secret self? And are there any animals that particularly come to mind when you think of Neville? Well, if we start at the very beginning, the very first animal Neville is ever associated with is of course his escape artist pet, Trevor the Toad. Has anyone seen a toad? A boy named Neville's lost one. Now, I have to say, the very fact that Trevor is constantly trying to escape and get away from Neville doesn't make the Toad feel like a very good candidate for Neville's Patronus. In fact, I think by the fourth book, he's just straight up released him altogether. So yeah, I think Toad is out. But it did occur to me, like, what if that is a clue? Because we never really learn why Trevor is always trying to escape, but could it be that Trevor recognizes Neville's secret self? Like, what would a Toad be fleeing from. And honestly, I really thought I was onto something here, like what eats toads? This is gonna be easy, but you know what? The answer is uh, almost nothing. Turns out toads, not that appetizing. They're just covered in warts and sometimes their skin even has toxins and then they're not even that meaty. So even if you go for it, you're not getting much. There are owls, but the Pottermore article specifically mentions that despite Wizardkind's affinity with owls, they are a very rare Patronus. Not that that would really mean it couldn't be Neville's. I mean, he's a pretty rare person anyway, but Neville, I have to say, is specifically very bad at flying. <laughs> That said, in that scene, Neville loses his remember-all, an object heavily associated with another of Neville's early traits, 
forgetfulness. The only problem is, I can't remember what I've forgotten. So I've started wondering, is there an animal typically associated with forgetfulness? Like a uh, goldfish? How great would that be? Like if Neville's big powerful Patronus was just like, any bit of fish just like, I'm gonna get you to mentors. But in researching this video, I learned that goldfish actually have pretty good memories, not these stereotypical three seconds you always hear about. You can actually measure their memories in months. I mean, you can measure human memories in like centuries, so it's not that impressive. But that said, goldfish having short-term memory is the stereotype, and I wouldn't put it past that being like a determining factor in like a Harry Potter style of way. But as Neville is never really associated with water or fish in any way at all anyway, I also just don't think it fits. In case you're wondering though, and I know that you were. During uh, my research, I also learned some animals that do have bad memories, including, surprisingly, chimpanzees, baboons, and bees. I mean, I guess if you're a bee, all you really have to remember is honey. Where is that, by the way? But honestly, by the end of the book, Neville has basically overcome his forgetfulness altogether, and none of those animals really seem to fit either, so moving on! Part of what makes choosing an animal for Neville's Patronus so tricky is that he's not really associated with that many animals. Instead, he's mostly associated with plants. I mean, he literally goes on to become the herbology professor at Hogwarts after they graduate. Sadly, though, plants aren't an option for what your Patronus can be. Otherwise, I'd just say Mimbulus Mimbletonia and be done with it. How great would that be? Like, he casts it and it doesn't, like, fly around. It's just like, it's just like a potted plant, just boop, boop. But honestly, if you ask me, I think Neville had a way better relationship with his boil-covered cactus than he did with Trevor any day. I mean, sure, it might blast you with its stink sap, which according to Harry smells like rancid manure, but at least it can't hop away, right? <laughs> <laughs> Gross. The other obvious, most notable thing Neville does in the entire series is when he pulls the sword of Gryffindor out of the sorting hat and kills Nagini. And this, to me, makes a pretty compelling argument for Neville's Patronus being the symbol for Gryffindor House. A lion. I mean, it's no potted plant. But I personally have always considered Neville to be like the truest Gryffindor out of all of his classmates. I mean, other than Harry, he's the only one we see actually pull the sword from the hat. Even way back in their first year, yes, Harry, Ron, Neville, and Hermione earn points for the House Cup at the end, but Neville's the only one to actually earn the points specifically for courage. Because remember, bravery is not the absence of fear, it's the willingness to stand up to those fears. Absence of fear is just reckless. Batman. But with that in mind, Neville isn't the only other person to successfully use the sword. Both Ron and Dumbledore both use it to destroy Horcruxes. And Harry, Ron, and Dumbledore are all pretty brave in their own right, and none of them have a lion Patronus. And while I may personally consider Neville the truest Gryffindor, that's still just, you know, my, my personal opinion. Which, in my personal opinion, counts for quite a lot. Besides that, though, pulling the sword is only half of what Neville does in the big moment. The other half is killing Nagini. So then I began to wonder, is there an animal most associated with killing snakes? And boy, oh boy, you guys, did I stumble into the correct answer. Neville's Patronus almost has to be the honey badger. And you might be thinking, uh, badger, Jay, didn't you just say Neville was the truest Gryffindor? How could his Patronus be the mascot of Hufflepuff House? Well, do not be fooled, friends. The mascot of Hufflepuff House is just a regular badger. A honey badger is way different and honestly kind of poorly named. 
honey terrifying wolverine would have been better but whilst appearance wise the honey badger and the regular badger may look similar it is now pretty widely agreed that they have very little in common that said i do feel like this still fits with the whole hufflepuff hat stall neville had i mean imagine you're the hat and you're looking inside this kid's head you can see the honey badger and this kid is asking to be in hufflepuff and you're like no i'm i'm really sure you're a gryffindor let me double check. Honey Badger actually does fit Gryffindor House really well though, because while they are known for many things, including killing snakes and general aggression, the main thing is their absolute fearlessness. Seriously, go to Google right now and type in what is the bravest animal and look at the results. Spoilers! It's the honey badger. I bet you thought it was gonna be lions, didn't ya? I mean, have you even watched The Lion King? I'm only brave when I have to be. Exactly, Mufasa slash James Earl Jones. Only brave when you have to be. Neville is brave all the time. In fact, honey badgers have even been known to chase away, wait for it, lion cubs from recent kills. Take that, lions. On top of that, it turns out that honey badgers have pretty non-deserting tastes when it comes to eating, and they've been known to eat a variety of creatures, including, wait for it, Toads! I mean, no wonder Trevor was afraid. He could recognize Neville's secret self. Now, earlier I said it was poorly named. You might be wondering, why is it called a honey badger of all things? And the answer is pretty straightforward. It has a pretty fond taste for honey. And honey badgers just think nothing of walking up to a dumb old forgetful bee's nest and rummaging around for their precious honey. It's really kind of a perfect metaphor, isn't it? Like Neville starts out as so forgetful, but by the end his secret self emerges and he conquers the forgetfulness and seizes his honey. Man, you just know Hannah Abbott's Patronus has got to be like a single bumblebee, right? Like Or even better, maybe it's just a pot of honey. You can go right next to the Mimblos Mimbletonia. Speaking of which though, it gets even better because it turns out honey badgers do have one defense they can employ against the bees before they go in and claim the honey. <clears throat> the honey badger possesses an anal pouch which is irreversible. That means it can be turned inside out. The smell of the pouch is reportedly suffocating and may assist in calming bees when raiding beehives. Ah, nature, it smells. <clears throat> Terrible sometimes. But yes, that's right. Much like Neville's beloved Mimulus Mimbletonia, honey badgers have a built-in stink sap sack that they can deploy. <laughs> Oh boy. <clears throat> but yes, that is right. Much like Neville's beloved Mimulus Mimbletonia, honey badgers have a built-in suffocating stink sack sap that they can deploy when needed to get their honey. You cannot make this stuff up. But if you are still not sold, there is one more thing that due to the very shape of the honey badger, it cannot be denied that they have a long bottom. <laughs> 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 guys thanks so much as always for watching today's video don't forget to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future harry potter action from us if you want to see what draco malfoy's patronus could be check out this video right here but otherwise until next time ben i will see you in another life brother